Did you know Red Marilyn was on Patreon? By supporting Red Marilyn on Patreon, not only do you support Red Marilyn's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets, cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Marilyn on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash redmaryland. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash redmaryland. And thank you for your support. Shock the system. You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers, including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. Go to redmarylandconference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's redmarylandconference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference. It's time for the Air Raid. Here's your host, Brian Griffiths. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Air Raid here on the Red Maryland Network. It is Sunday, September the 15th, 2019. Hope you and yours have had a fantastic weekend. This weekend, of course, yesterday, the anniversary of the Star-Spangled Banner, the Battle of Baltimore, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on, your, uh, <laughs> depending on your point of view. No stupid photos of Martin O'Malley riding a horse this year. Um, Biz Martin O'Malley has completely faded into obscurity where he damn well belongs. What has not faded into obscurity, however, is the topic of our show from two weeks ago. Two weeks ago for Labor Day weekend, our last episode of the Air Raid, I spoke about unions uh, and particularly how unions have, in the case of what's going on in politics, unions have stopped representing the interests of individual workers and started representing the interests of the union leaders, particularly as it relates to obtaining power in the political sphere 
usually, of course, the Democratic Party. The example I gave, of course, here in Maryland, the Maryland State Education Association, which really drives the train of the Democratic Party and makes sure that they continue to grow their ranks and to make sure that their union leadership gets money, gets paid but usually at the expense of the actual workers themselves. Now, we're going to take a little bit different take today as far as it relates to unions, and I'm going to talk about two unions in Baltimore right now, which really aren't doing a lot of good things for their workers. And I'm talking about, of course, the Baltimore Sun Guild. We've been talking extensively about the Baltimore Sun Guild here at Red Maryland, and also the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra Union as well. Now, If you're like me, you have absolutely no idea why a symphony orchestra needs to be unionized. Uh, But then again, I don't really know why reporters need to be unionized either. But that's neither here nor there. That's not really important to what we're talking about here today. Now, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, of course, has been having a labor action for a lot longer than the uh, Baltimore Sun Guild, at least in the direct action status. The Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, of course, uh, had their summer season canceled because there was not enough money to make sure that this uh, that everything gets funded. A lot of that blame went back to Governor Hogan because, of course, the Maryland General Assembly foolishly passed legislation that would grant millions of dollars to the Symphony Orchestra. The Symphony Orchestra, that, by the way, is thoroughly... <laughs> mismanaged let's not let's we're not i'm not taking the side of management here in this labor dispute between the union and their uh, the symphony orchestra the symphony orchestra the baltimore symphony orchestra is obviously run by morons i mean there's no way about that um the way that they have just burned through money the way that they have just completely screwed the pooch when it comes to financing uh the symphony orchestra the problem of course comes is the fact that the union seems to think that even though the symphony orchestra is struggling, even though the symphony barely has enough money to pay its bills, even though the symphony is drastically in need of restructuring, the union wants to get paid. And look, as somebody who works for a living, I get it. I totally understand that you want to be paid what you're worth. The problem is is that the people who want to get paid what they're worth don't understand the economics of the situation. There's a theme that we'll come back to later on during the show. The fact of the matter is, is that the union does not recognize the fact that there's not enough money to pay them what they want. Hell, at this point, there's not enough money to pay them what they're owed as far as the the salary that they are currently being paid. That's not the fault of Martin O'Malley. That is the fault of symphony leadership. So I sympathize with the union workers to the point that they were promised a certain salary for a certain work, and they're not getting that salary right now. But the problem with that attitude is the fact, particularly what's coming from the symphony right now, is the fact that you can't just make the money show up out of thin air. You can't just say the symphony is going to pay you these wages when they don't have the money to pay you. That's not how business works. That's not how economics work. This is not how it works in the real world. And just because the orchestra members are unionized... 
does not mean that they are entitled to money that is not available to pay them. Part of the problem right now, as far as the symphony goes, is the fact that there seems to be a confusion as to what labor action is actually occurring. Symphony management seems to think that they're on, their workers are on strike. The symphony workers in the union seems to think that they are being illegally locked out because the first week of the, the symphony, of the fall season, was canceled. Partially because there's not enough money to pay them, partially because there's no labor agreement between the union and the orchestra. Look, it can't be an illegal lockout if the orchestra members don't agree to a contract. That's very simple. They can they can choose to work without a contract, which is probably what they'd be better off doing, or they can not work and not get paid. It certainly isn't the case that they're incapable of playing their instruments. We saw that story hit the Baltimore Sun today. Story by Ian Duncan, Baltimore Sun. Again, we'll get to the Sun in a minute. BSO's opener was postponed amid a labor dispute. Instead, musicians played to crowd at West Baltimore Church. On the day that but for a bitter labor dispute would have been the opening of their annual season, the musicians of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra and their conductor still played for a large audience at a West Baltimore church. The Reverend Harold A. Carter, the church's pastor, welcomed the musicians and received cheers and a standing ovation even before playing their first piece. Who would have thought that the musicians of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra would be here on Monroe and Clifton, Carter said. It might not be the Meyerhoff, but it is New Shiloh. I don't think that's bad. The labor dispute, which the symphony management calls a strike, the musicians contend is an illegal lockout. led to the postponement, until next week, of a season-opening free concert at the Symphony Hall in central Baltimore. But the event at New Shiloh was an opportunity for musicians to demonstrate the support they have in the community. And now here's where politics gets in the middle of it, because politics aren't in it enough. City Council President Brandon Satt, who, by the way, just announced he was running for mayor, so God help us if the symphony becomes an issue in the mayor's race, was seated in the front row wearing a lapel pin in support of the musicians. And in a brief speech, I don't know why there's political speeches at a symphony concert, but again, these unions are involved, so this is what you get. Ranked the orchestra as a Baltimore asset alongside the Ravens, the Orioles, and the city's feud. Food, rather. Without offering specifics, Scott said the city had to play a role in guaranteeing the 103-year-old orchestra's future. We know in a great city like Baltimore, we have to hold on to what we have in order for us to progress. Progress, said Scott. We have to do everything we can to hold on to these musicians and to hold on to our orchestra. The negotiations between the Union and the Symphony's management are overpay, season length, and working conditions, but a bargaining session this week failed to secure a resolution. The Union filed a complaint with the Federal Labor Board, alleging that management is not bargaining in good faith. The Symphony's CEO has said managers have given the musicians options for ending the dispute. The labor dispute comes amid revelations of the orchestra's shaky finances, I talked about that earlier, which auditors said might not hold for another year. A task force began meeting in August to tackle the problem, but its work has been stymied by the uncertainty created by the labor dispute. There's a nice infinity loop here going on. The finances suck, so they can't solve the labor dispute, and they can't fix the finances until the labor dispute gets settled. This is just a tremendous mess the symphony has created for themselves. Baltimore Symphony Musicians Player Committee... Co-chair Brian Prechtolk, percussionist, told the audience Saturday afternoon that the orchestra was under threat 
but guarantee that people in Baltimore will continue to hear it to play for another century. We've been out there walking the picket line. It's been tough for us, but we're still standing. We're standing up to defend this amazing orchestra because it is under threat right now. We've lifted our voices to all, to, to all that we'll hear. Often we felt like we were shouting into abyss, but we persist because we know what we have is worth fighting for. And again, I, I, I point out, I just, I, I can't help but point out this, this infinity loop that the union has gotten them, themselves and the orchestra into. The orchestra's finances were mismanaged by management. There is no question about that. But the fact that the, the, fact that the musicians went on strike is what's killing the orchestra right now. Okay? If the orchestra doesn't know if the musicians are going to show up to work, they can't figure out a way out of the crisis. If they can't figure out a way out of the crisis, they can't pay the musicians, and they can't pay the musicians because the musicians won't come to work in the first place. That's where we're at right now. The union is basically in the process of exacerbating the problem that is already existing. Now, let's go back to the Baltimore Sun Guild. The Baltimore Sun Guild has been basically threatening a strike for a couple of years now. I wrote my first story about the potential strike three years ago, and uh, how I, how I talked about that the the guild was definitely going to try to take some sort of measures to get themselves a new contract. And the fact of the matter is this: is the fact that things change. I am, again, sympathetic to Baltimore Sun reporters, Baltimore Sun Guild members, that they haven't seen a pay raise in X amount of years, that they, haven't, they aren't receiving the pay that they believe that they are worth. But just take a look at what's going on around them. Just look at the fact that three longtime Baltimore Sun employees, Ian Duncan, Doug Donovan, and Andrew Green, are moving on. Three high-paid, at least for the newspaper business, highly paid employees are moving on to greener pastures. Look at what happened to Think Progress, the left-wing fake news site. Their members unionized. And when it turned out that Think Progress wasn't profitable and wasn't making any money, it was, their money ran out. And those reporters found themselves, because they had contracts, they couldn't pay them less, they found themselves in a lurch, and they found themselves without a job. Now, this wasn't in a situation where the Think Progress Union went out on strike, but it did find themselves in a position where it was easier to shut the entire operation down than it was to continue to pay them at the rates that the union received. The same thing, by the way, happened with Gawker Media. Gawker Media went unionized, and yeah, there was a couple other exacerbating circumstances, including lawsuits and a, and a large settlement, a large uh, court order payment. But again, Gawker unionized and Gawker went out of business. The news organization, the news environment is changing. People are not getting their news the same way that they used to. People are not consuming news in the same way that they used to. They're not necessarily buying papers. They're not necessarily buying you know, newspapers subscriptions to online online news advertising revenue 
has changed. The internet has changed everything for a lot of people, okay? The problem is is that the Baltimore Sun Guild is acting like newspapers are the biggest kid on the block and that the revenue model, that the payment model, should continue to look like what it looked like 20, 25, 30 years ago. Again, I am sympathetic. I have all the sympathy in the world that they think they deserve a pay raise. And you know what? A lot of them probably do deserve a pay raise. But maybe it's time they look for it somewhere else. Maybe it's time they find that pay raise in doing other work, either at another newspaper that can pay them more, or in another industry field. The fact of the matter is that the Baltimore Sun is not profitable. That the newspaper industry is not profitable. It's the same thing that the city paper found out three years ago. When their advertising revenue dried up, and their model dried up, and the Baltimore Sun, despite my public offer of $1 for the paper, the Baltimore Sun decided to just shut the whole thing down. At some point, at some point, Tribune, Tronk, whatever you want to call the company, I can't even remember the name of the company anymore, at some point, one of a couple things are going to happen. The company the ownership company of the Baltimore Sun, is going to sell the operation. They're going to sell it to somebody else. That somebody else is not going to... I'm not not going to say that this for sure, but that somebody else is likely to not be as highly capitalized as Tribune, the current owners of the paper. They are not going to have the same relationship with the union that current management does. And they are more than likely going to cut costs in order to recoup their investment. Now that cutting costs may be, and continuing down this road of not providing raises, or they may decide to raise the pay to bring everybody's salaries up, but to eliminate jobs. That's what happened in New Orleans. That's what happened when the Times-Picayune was sold to a newspaper group out of uh, Bat- Bat- Baton Rouge that was uh, that was a competitor of the Times-Picayune. Do you know what happened to the Times-Picayune? The rival paper bought the Times-Picayune, a long-established, well-respected newspaper in New Orleans. They bought the assets and fired all the employees. That's that's the way the news business is going. Smaller companies are buying newspapers from larger companies, and sometimes it works. The Alaska News, which was an online, which was a blog actually, um, purchased the Anchorage Daily, the Anchorage Daily News, a couple of years ago. Now, that didn't quite work out nearly as well because the the new company wound up going bankrupt. But that's part of the bigger picture, too. Is that the newspaper industry is going to need to change. The Baltimore Sun Guild has not recognized the need for change yet. And they think that by doing the same old thing, and by doing this, following the same old models of compensation, that things are going to be different, that things are going to, they're going to get what they want, and that it's going to be beneficial for all parties. And it's very clearly not true. Now, do I think, bringing this all together, do I think 
that having a daily newspaper, a well-operated daily newspaper with well-compensated employees is a good thing for Baltimore and the metro area? Yeah, you're damn right I do. Do I think that having a symphony orchestra is a good thing for Baltimore? It's not my cup of tea, but it's good for people. People enjoy the symphony. It provides cultural and educational opportunities for people around the area. Heck, I remember going to the Meyerhof when I was in the fifth grade and watching the symphony. I was bored, but at least I got the opportunity to do it. And for somebody in that room, it could have been beneficial to them. They may have embarked upon... Uh, a, a path that took them to to the symphony, or at the very least, allowed them to play an instrument and provide you with provide them with the opportunities that playing an instrument provides scholarships, you know, focus, education, what have you. But these industries, the symphony, these organ, you know, the, the newspaper industry, these organizations, the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra, their management structure, the Baltimore Sun, they need to adapt. They're changing. And I don't think the unions are fully representing or fully understanding that the industry is changing around them, you would think, at this point. And this is particularly true of the newspaper industry. You would think at this point, as connected as these Baltimore Sun Guild members are, as much as they are seeing the world around them, that they would realize... The news business is changing. And that by necessity, not only is their job going to need to change, but the way their company is structured is needed to change. And their old school way of looking at the newspaper business isn't going to fly anymore. Both of these unions, for the Baltimore Sun uh, Guild, as well as the Symphony Orchestra's union, both these unions need to recognize the world around them is changing. And that with it, their compensation models are going to need to change. And they're going to have to give on something, whether it's the compensation, whether it's benefits, or whether it's going to be job cuts. What they forget is how unions have killed industries before in states. The UAW, the United Auto Workers, killed the car industry in Detroit for a long time. Because they demanded things without wanting to compromise... And they didn't recognize that the auto industry was changing in the form of competition. At this juncture, the Baltimore Sun Guild and the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra musicians are not only potentially negotiating themselves out of a job, but negotiating their institutions into oblivion. I want to thank you very much for joining me in this week's episode of the Air Raid. Be sure to check out all of our Red Maryland Network programming. Red Maryland Radio returns Thursday night. Uh, Greg will be there. Maybe I'll be there. Maybe I won't be there, uh, depending on if this child ever gets born. Um, No Air Raid next Sunday. I'll just tell you that straight up. There will be no episode of the Air Raid next Sunday. Either I will have a newborn, or it'll be my birthday weekend, and I'm just not doing a show. So you guys will just have to um, maybe adjust to a a bi-weekly schedule here for the next couple of weeks. But we do appreciate you listening to this and every other Red Maryland program. Hey, if you don't want to miss a program, um, be sure to uh, subscribe 
to Red Maryland Network Programming, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, just type in Red Maryland and subscribe and have shows like this one automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. We are also, of course, uh, the home base for all things Red Maryland is redmaryland.com. Lots of great stories, lots of great stuff there. Some of it's going to make you happy, some of it's going to piss you off, some of it's going to make you say, why did he write that? But hey, it's important, and we, as we talked about on Thursday, as I wrote a piece at redmaryland.com, you know, we're not a personal blog. We bring together conservatives around Maryland and provide differing points of view even within the conservative movement. So redmaryland.com, your home base for all things Red Maryland. Of course, if you are uh, willing and able, patreon.com slash redmaryland, that's how you can become a patron. Uh, We appreciate all of of our patrons that we do have, and i got a special message for you guys. And if you want to become a patron, again, patreon.com slash redmaryland. We appreciate everybody who has become a patron uh, and has considered becoming a patron. A dollar a month. If everybody just gives a dollar a month, we can compete with, uh, with the big boys here in the state of Maryland. Hey, you never know. We raise enough money, we can buy the Baltimore Sun, okay? And make everybody's problems go away. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that be a treat? That would be awesome. But uh, but patreon.com slash redmaryland. We appreciate everything that you do for us there. And, of course, if you want to advertise, we don't say this enough, too. If you want to advertise, want to have a commercial on Red Maryland, you want to advertise in our newsletter, um, you can do that. Just uh, go to redmaryland.com and click on advertising, and we have our advertising rates there. Or you can just reach out to us via email, and we will be happy to discuss advertising uh, rates and opportunities with you. Of course, we are also... All over social media. Let's get social. With social media. Let's get social. Social. With social media. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. We are on Instagram at Red Maryland. Uh, we are on Twitter, of course, at Red Maryland. We're also now on TikTok. Once we figure out what we're doing there, uh, it's what the kids are on. So now we're on it too. Um, you can just search us, search for Red Maryland there, and you'll eventually find us. Um, and again, please invite your friends, family, neighbors, colleagues, coworkers, co-religious, in-laws, outlaws, your banker, your butcher, your baker, your candlestick maker, everybody that you know, please invite them to like Red Maryland, to follow us, um, to, and share our content with them uh, on social media, on, you know, share it in your Facebook group, share it on your Facebook wall, any pages you manage, community groups, neighborhood organizations, gun groups, life groups, economic groups, social groups, Republican groups, conservative groups. Share it on LinkedIn, share it on Nextdoor, share it on whatever social media platform I haven't mentioned yet. You, my friend, are the force multiplier. If you can't donate on Patreon right now, this is a great way to help the cause. Just share our stuff and make sure that more people know about the conservative goodness that is RedMaryland.com. And, of course, you can contact us at any time. Actually, first, let me tell you again about the Red Maryland Leadership Conference. Um, RedMarylandConference.com. We've got 
over a dozen speakers already lined up, cabinet secretaries, legislative leaders. We've got more in the books, campaign professionals, radio personalities, you name it, they are coming to this conference, redmarylandconference.com. And please um, purchase your ticket today. You don't want to miss out. The conference sold out last year, and uh, you don't want to miss out on this great conference. It was a good time. A lot of things were learned last year, and uh, redmarylandconference.com to buy your ticket. And again, you can contact us at any time. Redmaryland at gmail.com is that email address. Call or text the Red Maryland Talkback line, 410-205-4875. That's 410-205-4875, and we will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program. Folks, thank you very much for joining me in this week's episode of the Air Raid, and be sure to stay tuned to RedMaryland.com, your home base for the 2020 General Assembly session, your home base for elections in Maryland in 2020 and beyond. We are here for you, and we appreciate your support. For everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to the Air Raid. I'm Brian Griffiths. Good night, and God bless. Did you know Red Maryland was on Patreon? By supporting Red Maryland on Patreon, not only do you support Red Maryland's efforts to grow the conservative movement here in Maryland, but you're going to get access to premium content, meet and greets, cool bumper stickers, and more. To support Red Maryland on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash redmaryland. Even $1 a month will help us grow the conservative movement in our state. And every dollar goes back into growing Red Maryland. That's patreon.com slash Red Maryland. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Red Maryland. And thank you for your support. Shock the system. You are invited to the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference, which comes at you on Saturday, January the 11th, 2020, from the Doubletree Hotel in Annapolis. Join us as we hear guest speakers including Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz, Delegate Kathy Shalega, Doug Mayer from the 2018 Hogan for Governor campaign, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers from WBAL Radio, Maria Sophia, the chair of the Maryland Young Republicans, Ian Patrick Hines, Rory McShane, and a host of other fantastic speakers. This conference will help prepare the groundwork for your next election success and the success of conservatism across the state. Tickets are on sale now. The conference sold out in 2019, so you are not going to want to miss out on buying your tickets today. Go to RedMarylandConference.com to learn how to buy your ticket, your sponsorship, or your vendor table. That's RedMarylandConference.com. Go buy your tickets today for the 2020 Red Maryland Leadership Conference.